Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, this is Rebecca Levy with another episode of Parenting Bites. Today I am joined by Amy Oztan of SelfishMom.com and Andrea Smith. We always say tech reporter extraordinary. I feel like we need to come up with something better. We're tech, <laughs> tech goddess. Tech goddess. Tech, tech goddess. That's Maybe a people diva. Vote. Yeah, I don't know. Seriously. Yeah. All things gadgets, tech, parent, you got it. Okay, good. Um, and we are going to have three topics today plus our Parenting Bites recommendations. And we are very fortunate. And our first topic is going to be um, the Maryland couple that is now under investigation by Children's Protective Services for letting their 10 and six year old walk to and from school. Shocking. Um, and we have a special guest for that topic, Lenora Skenazy of Free Range Mom, or Free Range Kids, sorry, I should say, you started that movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and World's Worst Mom, which is a new reality show on the Discovery Life channel, which premieres Thursday at nine. Mm-hmm. So check your local listings. So, Lenore, you're going to join us for that in one second. We're so Great. excited you're here. Um, our second topic today is going to be the new Illinois, Illinois state law that allows school districts and administrators to demand a child's password for all their social media accounts if they are suspected of cyberbullying. We'll see where we come down on that one. (laughs) That'll be interesting. We're going to discuss a digital dilemma. What do you do if you see your child's friends misbehaving on social media? Do you tell on them? How do you handle that? And then we're going to have our last recommendations and parenting bites for those of you out there. So let's jump right in with Lenore. Hi, Lenore. How do you do? How are you? Good. We're so excited that you're joining us today. Yeah, fun. Um, It seemed to coincide perfectly this sort of news item that jumped out with these parents who were... Can now, you believe it? I, right. I feel like you manufactured it. So <laughs> I know, some I know. Somebody was writing about it and said that Discovery Life should uh, write a check to the Métis family for getting in the news this week for letting their kids walk home because, of course, <laughs> that's all I'm always um, talking about is, yes, give them some freedom. And look, here they are being investigated for child neglect. So before we go further on this, I think, can we just kind of um, wrap up the story, reiterate the story for anyone who who has not heard this story? Oh, like how I became world's worst mom? That one? <laughs> no, well, okay. first let's talk about the, the Maryland couple. What had they let their kids walk to and from school by themselves? They let the kids walk home from the park in their neighborhood. They live in suburban Maryland. And you won't believe it, but I'm actually sitting here with them right now because they're in town. They just did the Today Show, and I'm in Midtown, and we're hanging out together raiding the candy um, the candy barrel at a radio station. <laughs> <laughs> That's that always a good, good thing to do. So, right. um, But what happened there was I, I believe they were not allowed to um, get their kids back unless they signed a safety plan. Was Yeah, that yeah. Here's the deal. So their kids are walking home. It's so strange to see kids doing anything on their own that we did just a generation ago that some busybody calls 911. The cops swoop in. They see these kids walking by themselves. Oh, my God, anything terrible could happen. They pick them up. They throw them in the cruiser. They bring them home. Mom's not home. Dad's home. They deliver the kids, and they say to the dad, are these your kids? And he says, yes, they are. And they said, let's see some ID. He said, I'm not going to show you ID. Obviously, they're my kids. They said, let's see some ID, or I'm calling for backup. So, okay, the dad goes upstairs. He starts walking upstairs, and the policewoman says to him, it better be just ID you're coming down with or shots will be fired. Nice. So dad comes home. 
hometown, kind of shaken with the ID. The kids are hysterical. Is Daddy going to be hauled off to jail? He shows them the ID, and then the, the cops leave, and two hours later, who comes but Child Protective Services? Child Protective Services says, these children were not safe. Let's come up with a safety plan. You're going to have to sign it. The father says, I'm not signing a safety plan. I think my kids are safe. I'm raising them the way I know how. And they say, sign this plan or we take the kids away. So the dad signs, reluctantly, as I would too, and now the parents are waiting to hear the final verdict from Child Protective Services as to whether or not they were incredibly negligent, dangerous, and um, criminal for giving their kids exactly the same kind of freedom in exactly the same neighborhood with exactly a lower crime rate today than when we were growing up and letting them do what we did as kids. And, and just to clarify, they did not drop these kids off at a strange park and say, okay, kids, find your way home. This is the way they treat their kids all the time, and they had, had the kids yeah, were ready for this. The kids were ready for this, and the parents have been raising free-range kids. What's a free-range kid? A free-range kid is raised sort of the old-fashioned way. You teach them to cross the street. You teach them to, to pay attention. You teach them not to go walk with anybody. You teach them to ask for help if they need it, and then gradually you loosen the reins. It's only this generation of parents that's come to believe, because of the constant din of disaster on the media, that anytime you're not directly supervising your kids for one second, they are in danger. But when you start believing that, you start thinking that anytime you see a kid without a parent, oh my God, why is that parent letting their kid almost be, and then you fill in the blank. Well, you know, I raise my kids the same way, and I really hate the fact that what I'm doing to me to, to myself seems so common sense, but to the rest mm -hmm. of the world, it seems like some kind of radical parenting statement. You know, it seems radical, although I have to say today there's a vote of legitimacy because New York Times health writer Jane Brody, who tells us, you know, to eat our fiber and to, to floss, <laughs> is now saying, and also raise your kids free range. So it's not like this crazy, wild-eyed idea that some nut from New York said to do. I mean, if the New York Times is endorsing this as healthy and the hysteria as completely unnecessary, then I don't even think that you have to question yourself again. I think the parents who are worried all the time have to wonder, how come we've been brainwashed with fear? You know, look at the crime rate. The crime rate today is lower than it was in the 70s and 80s when most of us were being raised by parents who let us go outside. And so I think the parents should be angry that they're afraid. Why, you know, how dare the, the, the media keep telling me that my children can't do anything on their own and make me a slave to them, driving them everywhere in the, in the SUV and make them a slave to me like Rapunzel stuck in the, you know, the house 24-7 because I'm afraid to let them go. You know, let's fight for our right to be rational. Let's fight for our right to give our children back some freedom and get our own freedom back in the process. I feel like parents can't win. You're either right. now labeled as negligent or whatever, or you're a helicopter parent. So parents get it from both sides. Well, um, I feel like, yes, you're right. Uh, certainly, there's tons of judgment heaped upon parents. And that's why even with the, the parents in my show who are extremely anxious, um, I don't ever blame them. I, don't, I feel like if you turn on the TV and you're told that, you know, there was a kidnapping and this is the 30th anniversary, and then you go to the store and why not get this monitor for your baby's room? It can see in the dark. It's infrared. We developed it for Afghanistan, and now you can make sure that nobody's <laughs> coming into your baby's room. Um, you know, if you're surrounded by that kind of 
hysterical, worst first thinking, coming up with the worst case scenario first all the time. Do you want your child to be stolen from his room? No. Um, it, it, it doesn't surprise me that we end up very conflicted because on the one hand, we want to give our kids a happy, healthy, and outdoor childhood. And on the other hand, we're told if you do it, you know, you're putting your kids in danger. What I'm just trying to remind people is you're not putting them in any more danger than your parents did with you. It's not danger. It's real regular life, and we're living in very safe times. So to act as if it's the end times is is pointless. You know what's interesting to me, and I was raised here in New York City in the early mm-hmm. 70s. And wow. Walk, yeah, and walked me to too. And you're not a crack school. addict? <laughs> <laughs> I saw a, a lot of them. Addict, you know, <laughs> tech journalist extraordinaire, apparently. But, you know, I came out okay. And honestly, in those days, you know, I had two sisters. We walked to school together. We met up with, you know, Karen on First Avenue on our way and kind of became mm-hmm. a little posse on the way. And mm-hmm. there were no cell phones then. There was no texting mm-hmm. when you got to school. There was no mm-hmm. cell phone just in case. It was kind of like, hey, you know, you'll get there. And if you don't, the school will call me. And that's <laughs> the way it was. And right, right. I feel like because there is technology today, right. I know that mm-hmm. Rebecca's kids text her when they get somewhere. I'm sure, well, right. Amy's probably do. <laughs> my, my 13-year-old, he's pretty much on his own. My 10-year-old, yes, I still like her yeah. to text me. You want to know. Places. You have that comfort. You have technology to kind of give you that comfort. And we've seen, but, seen a lot of it um, mm-hmm. where people can track without being a helicopter parent. It feels like this is a pendulum. Either, you know, you're complete whacked out radical or you're a helicopter hovering over your parents and your kids. And I feel like it just kind of needs to center a little bit. Well, Lenore, you know, yeah, I, I don't think it is that radical. I think that yeah. um, I'm no, nobody I've talked to who's a free-range parent is a whacked-out radical. They're just sort of old-fashioned. And, and I wanted to address the technology question for one second, because you're saying that it gives comfort. And I actually think that the presence of um, technology uh, in our children's lives all the time does the opposite of giving comfort, because now if you expect a text from your kid every time they, I reached the, the school safely, you, you're going crazy if they forget to text or if they left their phone in their locker. And um, we're being told that like now you can have the, the reassurance of knowing that your child is wearing, there's these, these wristbands that you can have that are telephones, and if you call the child and the child doesn't answer within 10 seconds, the phone turns into a microphone so that you can listen in on what's happening to your child. Uh-huh. The assumption being that obviously something terrible must be happening or they would have picked up the phone with joyful alacrity because of course <laughs> they want to tell their mother exactly where they are and exactly what they're doing and eating and who they're with and what they're playing and whether anybody's bullying them or whether they feel scared or lonely. The point is that when you think that you have to be and can be in 24-7 contact with your child, not having that kind of contact starts feeling nerve-wracking. And so I think that instead of creating more reassured parents, we're creating more nervous parents. It's so funny that you mentioned that because when my son started middle school at 11 years old and he was taking public transportation alone for the first time, I turned on the function on his phone where I could track where his phone was. And I figured, aye, aye, aye. I'm just, I'm just mm-hmm that and see that he got to school safely the problem is it didn't really work all that well so it it would tell me that he was somewhere where he wasn't and once he got into the school which is basically an old bomb shelter it didn't work at all so i couldn't tell where he was i shut it off after two weeks it was nerve-wracking right 
Yeah, that's what parents do when there's these monitors that will let you know if your child has, quote-unquote, stopped breathing for 20 seconds in the crib. Um, and they go off all the time because of the kid's shifts or this or that. And they were developed for very sick children, but regular parents started thinking, like, well, if it's good enough for that child, it's good enough for mine. And then everybody was bleary-eyed in the morning because the alarm kept going off, and finally they realized, I mean, it's a perfect metaphor. If the alarm keeps going off, it's going to drive you crazy. And so the point is to trust your sleeping child, and the point is to trust your walking child when they're walking home from the park on a sunny winter's day, and you've taught them to look both ways. So how do we get uh, child protection services to agree with this? This is, this is really, this is, this is my new frontier. And it's why I started blogging at Reason.com, a libertarian site. Um, I don't want Child Protective Services to not exist. I'm, I'm glad they're there if somebody's beating a child, starving a child, pimping out a kid. I mean, that's Child Protective Services has to save those children. But Child Protective Services is not your mother-in-law. You know, it's not like, <laughs> oh, I wouldn't do it that way, or I wouldn't serve him that. Oh, my God, he just ate, and what are you giving him more food? I mean, I don't want you know, somebody hectoring me because they are uncomfortable or disagree with or wouldn't do it the same way as me. I want them saving children in danger. And I, they have to dial back their idea of danger or we have to change the laws that say unless a child shows visible um, not not potential harm, you know, like not that anything could happen, but if a kid is beaten or starved, then you take them away. Not if a parenting decision is different from the CPS ladies. You know, Lenore, it occurs to me that in part of what Andrew was saying, and I also walked to school in sort of what they call now like a walking school bus where you just kept meeting friends along the way. I and mean, I grew up in right. Brooklyn and we all uh -huh. I walked to school starting in third grade. It was a uh -huh. no brainer. It seems like a whole community has to come together. And I don't know if you yes. found this when you went yes. to people's homes, but you can't just change one family, right? Everyone has to get together and say, we're all having our kids go to the playground. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when my daughter was nine and it was time for her to walk to school by herself, I did. I, I would have felt better if she were walking with a friend. And mm -hmm. I asked all mm -hmm. of her friend's parents to try to find someone for her to walk with, and they yeah. all said no. So she ended up going alone. Oh, gosh. Well, what I've heard in some neighborhoods, and it gives me heart, is that the parents who do send their kids out, you know, nine-year-old walking with a seven-year-old or six-year-old or whatever, sometimes the other kids start saying, you know, Rocky gets to walk home from the park. Why can't I walk home from the park? And, in fact, that happened with my own son when he was nine and he took the subway, blah, blah, blah. He also walked home from school, and his best friend's mom Chris Quinones' mom <laughs> said, well, well, can Izzy walk home? Chris, too. Chris, a head taller than Izzy. But um, I said, yes. And then, then there were like a little gaggle of them towards the end. So I totally agree that the answer is not for, for these, these instances of, you know, Child Protective Services or the cops stopping children to make us keep our kids indoors. It's to make us all send our kids outside. So nobody's calling 911 because it's normal to see kids outside. And cops aren't saying, what's a child outside doing? Their parents must be negligent. It's like all the kids are outside. And, you know, I do have this holiday that I started um, five years ago, take our children to the park and leave them their day. <laughs> right? For how long? <laughs> For however long you want. I mean, the whole point was that it was a certain day and everybody knew to go to their local park and, and still do. It's the, it's the weekend before Memorial Day. Um, go to the local park and leave your kids there and the older kids will, you know, basically look after the younger kids and everybody will walk home in a big group together. And once your kids do that once, once they're out there with other kids, I mean, that beats 
Game Boy. That beats, you know, the, the SpongeBob. It's so fun to be with your friends outside yep. that you just have to get this quorum going. And I really am sitting here with Danielle, um, who sent the 10-year-old out with the 6-year-old last week, or was, you know, in the news last week. And we both believe this. We're trying to figure out a day. We want to organize a day when either... Everybody at their local in, in their local community sends their kids to the park and lets them walk home, or maybe we march on Washington and it's the million tot march. I don't know what it's just the be kids called. march. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to find out about this. Take your kids to the park and leave them their day, and yeah. uh, and we'll update you on uh, how you can participate. <laughs> That would be fantastic. I mean, really, and, and feel free to send me ideas. I mean, I'm, I'm at freerangekids.com, uh, but I'm supposed to be pushing my show, which, remember, is World's Worst Mom yes. on Thursday nights. Um, but really, I do think that this is the beginning of a movement. People are sick of being told how to parent, and they're sick of being afraid. And, and now's the time to say, you know what, I'm going to give my kid the joy that I had when I was a child. You're so right. Thank you so much, Lenore. I'm so glad you could join us today. This worked out perfectly. And we are sure everyone needs to tune in to World's Worst Mom this Thursday at 9. It's a 13-part series, which I think is also great. You're like the opposite of Super Nanny. (laughs) It's sort of the Super Nanny for parents. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Well, great. Thank you so much. And we will uh, send you links when it's up. Yes, Thank and we you. will post links to uh, Free Range Kids and, and to the show. Uh, where you can find the show on our Parenting Bites Facebook page. So everyone can okay. go there to find some links. Great. Thanks, Fantastic. Laura. Thank you, ladies. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Talking tech, apps, entertainment, and issues around parenting the digital generation. This is Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. Interesting, huh? Yeah. I think it's, um, you know, for those of us who, I mean, like you, Andrea, I grew up a little, a little later, like the early 80s in New York, it couldn't have been a less safe time. <laughs> I mean, really, you, you did step over, like, crack, you cr- stepped over vials sometimes on your way to the, you know, whatever. I mean, it was horrible. Maybe in Brooklyn. Definitely. But, well, no, and in the village. I mean, definitely. Um, it was a very, very different city. And, you know, my dad actually has a story of taking me to see Star Wars when it came out, and I was five, and he took me to see it at Astor Plaza at Times Square, which was the old, one of those old movie palaces that had a 70 millimeter screen, and that's where he wanted to see it. And that he, like, covered my eyes the entire walk from the subway <laughs> to the theater, because it was so What? Disgusting. No Disney shows? Right, Times exactly. Square. But um, it's so interesting to think about, you know, a lot of people do think that technology allows them to be a freer parent, you know, not to be such a helicopter, hoverer, and hands-on parent, and that technology will give them that freedom to know their kids are safe. Amy, you had an interesting experience where it just didn't work for you. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, we've seen so much technology at CES, the Safe Family Paxi Band that lets you uh, track your kids and know if they've gone outside of a boundary, and it'll be interesting. I'd love to hear from uh, our audience as to whether or not those are the kinds of things that make you feel safe and comfortable or make you worry even more. I think she's right about that yeah, that anxiety of not knowing where someone is. I mean, I think it can be great, and I do like it. You know, the other day my daughter came home from a bat mitzvah that was in Westchester, and the bus was coming back to the Met at God knows what time, so all the parents had to stand out in the freezing cold waiting for this bus and having her iPhone tracker on so I could see where the iPhone was <laughs> on the highway so my husband didn't have to stand out in the freezing cold for an hour and a half was great. Um, but I do think... 
I think parents are going to push back. I think, unfortunately, for a lot of people that are living in the suburbs, a lot of suburbs were built with no sidewalks. Mm-hmm. With So it, all of that was taken away, and kids aren't allowed to ride their bikes anymore. It used to be the place of bikes, and now that is why moms have become chauffeurs. Yep. So moms need to push back and stop being the chauffeur. And I think, actually, that segues nicely into our next topic, which is basically, I mean, I feel like I'm all of a sudden going to be some libertarian show this episode, but <laughs> the government infringing on our privacy. Um, And this is in Illinois. The legislature passed a law that school districts and universities can demand the passwords for all of a child's social media accounts if they are suspected of cyberbullying. So no warrant, no actual legal steps, um, no going through the parents for parental permission. Um, just you give them up, you give up your passwords, you're suspected of bullying. This is going to go down. Somebody's going to challenge it. I oh, would hope it's so. going to go down. Yeah, by the time we're done, it will be challenged. But, you know, I, I, I guess I kind of want to understand what they hope to gain from this because you can see what's on Facebook and Twitter That's and Instagram. <laughs> well, not, not if the you kids know. have a better idea of how to work the privacy controls than I do. Right, if it's private messaging, right. too. Right, but then you would have, you know, the person who's been bullied. If they've gotten these messages, you would have that. Or, you know, we were talking about being able to go in today when there's a, um, you know, an issue like that with adults. You get a warrant and you go in and you seize the computer. And and we've had that in cases where, um, you know, teenagers have committed suicide over bullying. Their computers were seized and those who were accused. And they've been looked at to see. So I'm not really sure why the password thing is a solution. Just makes it easier on them. I don't know. I mean, I actually think that part of it is a misunderstanding about both social media and bullying. So they're trying to look proactive against bullying. They're trying to figure out how to, you know, curtail bullying, I guess, or make it a deterrent, right? There's someone is quoted, there's an article about this in the Washington Post, and it's one of the things it said was, that some kids said, like, oh, if I knew they could take my passwords and know my account, then maybe I won't do it. Which is, of course, right, that is the appeal of an Ask FM. Right. right? Forget Instagram, forget Facebook. I actually don't think that's where, I don't think Facebook is where bullying is happening at all anymore. It's on these anonymous sites. It's on the Snapchats. It's on Ask FM where you, Ask FM is the worst, um, where you're running contests and talking about people and finding out about what people think of people totally anonymously and in that case I could see that they need a password then get a warrant then get a warrant that's what I think too or you still know who it is right so if you're already right. going after them to get their passwords and you already know it's them and then whoever's being bullied chances are they're taking screenshots and like you have this giant trail of there proof. is a digital trail there's definitely a digital yeah. trail. I think a war I think it's going to come down to needing a police warrant just like every other case that that happens today this is really, this is just, you know, a state a state law that I think you are correct is going to be overturned very, very soon. I don't see a lot of states following suit on this. I That would be interesting if other states file suit. I wonder who's watching that. Um, I, you know, I think that it's an interesting thing for kids to have to give up the password. And it's what we always say that, um, that kids who have these accounts and who are sort of getting at bad things, their parents should have their passwords. Yeah. We've talked about that, actually. I mean, we've talked about knowing the passwords and logging in. And I think, but don't you think that if parents already have the passwords and are showing, showing up and are looking and seeing that bullying is going on, that they might 
intervene. I mean, in a perfect world, that's how it, this would go down. I, you know, it's a tough question because I'm pretty. I, I like to feel like I'm on that stuff with, with my kids, especially with my son, who is online a lot. But even I'm reluctant to go in and look at what he's doing. Like, it seems so... It, like, as long as there's no problem, as long as nobody has alerted me to, to a problem, I feel so voyeuristic going in and looking at his conversations with his friends. It, it To me, it would feel like if my mom went into my room and read my diary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, although I always say to my daughters, if you don't want other people seeing it and reading it, then put it in a diary and shove it under your mattress yeah. because everyone can see it. So right. it's not just you. I mean, he should know that once it's in digital form, once it's like that, it can be seen by anyone. Um, your diary can maybe just be read by the person who finds it. So whatever you put online can be shown. You know, if you don't want on a billboard in Times Square, <laughs> say that, yeah. then don't send it in an email or a text. You know, I mean, I, but I think this idea that the government is telling students this, that the government is giving schools this permission. To me, it's one thing if you're allowed to search a locker, that's school property. Yeah. Where they think a child's social media account, that a school has any authority over that, that is shocking to me. I mean, that is like saying a school can open your mail. Yeah, and, and I'm all for the school being proactive. If some, I don't necessarily think that just because it's happening outside of school, the school shouldn't be involved. Um, I think sometimes that the school can be a great tool to bring the families together and try to get these more serious things solved. But this is just going too far. Like, I'm not saying the school shouldn't be involved. Just this is a ridiculous... It, it's, it's, it's using a hammer when they, you know, they needed like a little tap. Right, right. But it's interesting because I think that's the first place parents go. Correct me if I'm wrong, but... Oh, absolutely. If your kid was being bullied, the first thing you would do and, you know... They go to was, the principal. You'd go to the principal sure. and say, we need to handle this. So I think that the schools are having more and more issues, you know, trying to come to terms with what's going on, and they need a little bit of help figuring out how do we deal with this. But let's say a school, let's say a child was being abused at the school. The school would not go into that home and say that the school would refer them to child back to Child services, Protective Services, right. right? And maybe the guidance counselor would report it. So it seems like there needs a path for schools to be able to deal mm -hmm. with bullying or deal with, you know, suspected misuse, whatever it is they're going after. And it seems like it's mostly bullying. Um, and and it's just very haphazard right now. It's very random. Every school does it differently. They all have these stupid anti-bullying programs that do nothing because it not, it's not about that, right? Like the essence of bullying hasn't really changed. And these stupid anti-bullying programs, which I think are a giant waste. I really do. If people out there have effective ones, they can let me know about it. But it seems that when you talk to administrators, it, bringing in these outside programs that are these one-offs or a series of someone talking to kids for four weeks has no bearing on their real life. And what's way more effective is actually having things going on in the school that brings kids together, whether it's a school play. Um, I know my daughter's school, ballroom dancing, like the assistant principal said, ballroom dancing does more for bullying than any other program because those kids are all mortified. And <laughs> oh, they that's really it, interesting. And they have to work together yeah. and they learn how to dance and they're all terrified and they get all get good at it and they're all super hmm. proud of it. And it does more for bullying than anything else. And I can see that. And I think the same thing happens with a school musical or even class projects where you're not allowed to pick your own groups, where they're randomly assigned. I think those things where kids have to come together and sort of see each other as people um, right. and work together. Right, but don't you think, I mean, you know, and we've seen this in movies, we've seen this forever, you know, in books, that, you know, a kid, you know, kids' personalities kind of are what they are. And there's always one kid who's just the instigator, oh, yeah. the person who's, you know, poking the bear and trying to, 
get a reaction out of people. And I'm not sure if these programs going after the whole school, you know, effectively target that one kid. Right, yeah. Well, it's also the culture of your school. So let's say there's a teacher who's bullying or doing whatever. We saw teachers bullying each other all the time, you know, things like that. Does this, why doesn't the school have the right to look? They're an employee. Like, yeah. it seems to me, if you're going to get anyone's passwords and look at stuff, it would be that. And it just seems weird that this targets kids in that way um, who are under 18. Seems, I don't, I don't really get it. I actually don't get how it'll stand up in court. So I wonder, um, because you should be 13 in order to be signed on to these <laughs> social networks, I wonder how young this pertains to. Oh, it was K through 12. K through 12. And I think university, um, which is so, that's even more weird to me because then you're an adult. And right. It seems yeah. like that's a whole other group of laws that should come into play. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, if they're under 13, they can shut yeah. those accounts down. I guess I would hope that if I had a first grader and I allowed them to be on Facebook or Instagram or... It's Instagram. You know, I had a request the other day from a friend whose son is in second grade asking about Instagram. Oh, that's crazy. You yeah. Know, then, then again, I think the expectation is on you to be monitoring that, which actually leads us perfectly into the digital dilemma. Yep. So this week's digital dilemma is, so here you are monitoring your child's <laughs> social media account, and you see the friend sending the topless pictures of herself, or the boy sending the dick pic, or smoking a joint, or drinking beer, or whatever it is, um, smoking cigarettes, whatever behavior that you're like, oh boy, um, did not need to see that. Do you can't unsee that? Can't unsee that. <laughs> um, can do you tell their parent? Yes. Yes. I. I and so how I, good my of a friend kids do would you need to be? Me, <laughs> but yes, because somebody has to be looking out for that kid, and God knows I would want the parent to tell me. Right. I guess that's always a test. Would you right. want to know? Would you want to know? So I asked this question of my sister, who has teenage girls. And uh, both in high school. And she said that she doesn't think she would because most of those kids' parents don't want to know that they don't take the time to look. They don't take the time to go on these social networks and check for themselves. And that if she told them, she it would be shooting the messenger but because so, their kids are perfect. If she saw that kid's drinking a beer and smoking a cigarette on the corner... Would she feel the same way? You know, I I imagine she would. And, you know, I think you and I have had this conversation in other venues. And, you know, the analogy is if you saw a kid, you know, a young kid crossing the street on a red light in the middle of the street, you know, would you say, hey, you know, your, your child was putting themselves in danger? Um, and I want to say that I would do that, that I would. But I think today's parents are so very... Um, particular and sometimes think their kids can do no wrong that I think it's an issue for many parents. See, I think it depends on the, the parent. Yeah. So for my good friends, you better damn believe I would tell them <laughs> in two seconds. For people I don't know as well, like I don't really know the parent, then I don't know if I'd feel comfortable doing it. Yeah, but if I don't know the parent, then I care even less what they think about me. So I don't care if they shoot the messenger. I give them the message and they can do with it what they want. Yeah. That's so what I love about you, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> my screw you That's attitude awesome. towards the world. Yeah. Because yeah. I would feel like, oh, my God, she's going to hate me for telling her this, you know, and she's not going to believe me. And then she's going to be looking at my kid to see what my kid is doing. So she can, you know, I, it just and you're right. It feels like we should be a village. We should be pulling together in a community and all helping our kids grow up to be safe, 
um, you know, digital citizens, and that's not always the case. Well, when my kids started walking to school alone and together, because um, my son walked to school alone for a year, and then the next year he walked his second grader sister to school with him, and at least once a week I would get Facebook messages from parents who had seen them on the way saying either they were great or your son was, you know, hitting your daughter on the way to school and and pulling her hair and and I loved it and I really hope that those same parents would just continue that if they saw this stuff happening online. Yeah, you know what's funny is I mean kind of tying back to our first segment with Lenore, when I was growing up in Brooklyn, um it was very Irish and Italian. It was a real like multi-generational neighborhood. And my best friend down the street, like her grandparents, they owned the brownstone since 1940. The grandparents live upstairs. And so there were always grandmas and bubbies <laughs> and nanas on the stoops. Like you could Love not walk down a block. Stoops. And so as, un, as unsafe as it was crime rate wise, it was so safe because there were so many eyes on the street. And we literally played in the street until dark and then came in, you know, for dinner or whatever. Um, I mean, we would play Charlie's Angels, you know, you name it, in the street, right? And some kids are playing stickball. But Were you it was Kate because, Jackson or Farrah Fawcett? Uh, neither. <laughs> <laughs> I was Kelly. <laughs> I was Jacqueline I'm Smith. Sorry. Oh my God, <laughs> I was Jacqueline Smith. Um, but I, I just, I think about that. That there is no one on their stoop. Like I can walk down blocks and blocks on the Upper West Side. No one's sitting on their stoop drinking coffee, like schmoozing in the same way that when I was growing up, everybody hung out on their stoop. And I think this is like the new version of that is social media and that there actually needs to be more eyes yeah. on those things. Yeah. Like it would be better if more parents yeah. followed, not just their kids, but they're, so you don't have to monitor your kids' feed, like follow your friends, follow your follow them follow the kids you know on instagram most of them actually don't mind because they want more followers which is actually so <laughs> and they funny want more likes and they want more likes yeah. you and know it's interesting in the suburbs so in the suburbs you know parents drive around a lot and there were a lot lots of times where i'd be driving around and see a friend's kid in the middle of the day when i knew they should be at school um, or people have seen my son you know completely on a different end of town and and say something to me and and you're right i do want to know and i did want people to tell me and i I kind of handled it like, so what's your policy on, you know, like when there's free time, can your kid be outside of school or, you know, how far can they stray from school? And kind of asking parents what their policy is, because I didn't want to go say, I saw your son. Right. Um, what's your policy on your son sending his dick pics right. online? <laughs> Posting his phone number with it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, I think there's part of that. the only thing you can do right I, I agree with you Amy is like reach out and just say like hey like I don't even know you that well but I thought you'd want to know your daughter is posting Instagram pics of her in the bathtub um, a lot because because <laughs> here's the other thing is that sometimes um, and I think girls in particular post very risque photos because they see when other girls do that you get a ton of likes and it's yeah. all about how many likes you get and so I think for girls that might be 12 13 on Instagram they're seeing these 15 16 year old girls do that and have like a bazillion followers and I always say to my daughter why don't you look at who their followers are they're like creepy 40 something year old men and they're like ew like I mean yeah the reason she yeah. got 500 likes on that is because she's like topless in a bubble bath like and she's 15 oh. um, and that's when you think like okay this parent needs to know um but I will tell you that a real, my one of my really good friends saw one of her good friend's sons jaywalking while crossing Amsterdam Avenue right in the middle of the street and told her, and she did not believe him. She, sa she said... Um, Who would lie about that? Well, she said, I asked him, and he said, no, he didn't. 
Oh, well, that settles and it. And she was like, well, okay. I now mean, she's persona non grata. Yeah, and then she was like, wow, that's what I get for, yep. like, she couldn't believe it. And she was like, he said it wasn't him. Well, I'm just hearing my mom's voice in my head saying, well, then that person wasn't your friend anyway. You know, who right. cares? Yeah, that's some kind of, so that's, so basically all fall on the same. <laughs> like, yeah. tell, you should tell. You should. I, I really I do you believe should. you should. I mean, if you, if you saw your child, you know, playing with matches or setting a fire, you know, doing something that puts themselves in danger, you would tell. And I think today, that kind of behavior on social media, you know, we could certainly liken that to putting themselves in danger, which is why Rebecca, you at Kids Views work so hard to make sure that nothing personal goes up about kids who are posting videos. Right. I mean, I will say, so we get videos at least a few times a week from kids who say, if you like this video, text me at 222222 or send me a letter at 222 Elm Street. Like, they give out their address, they give out their phone number, and... Um, we had one girl who tried desperately because it didn't it didn't happen for her, and then she just like held up a sign oh as if God. we weren't watching the videos. And then the moderators basically pinged us because the third time she started putting in the comments her phone number, and we had to send an email to her parent. At that point, it's like three dings, you get an email to the parent. And um, what did the parents? Her parent never responded. <gasps> her parent never responded, and she never came back. So obviously, the parent did talk to her, but. Wow. She then was like, she didn't come so back. So she didn't want to know either. Now, had she made that video on YouTube, it would have been up. Yep. Now, apparently this is a thing now where kids trying to get their favorite stars and, and especially yes. musicians to text them or call them, they will leave their numbers in the comments on yep. videos. Oh. How, who is not teaching these kids how dumb that is? It's so, because it's all about... Um, the likes. It's all about trying to get recognition from a celebrity and being able to say you did and show a text message to people. And that's that's like a whole other conversation you have to have yeah. with your kids about this like fake fame. I did give my phone number to the bus driver of a Haas tour bus <laughs> when I was in ninth grade. But like that just went to the bus driver. It didn't go any farther than that. It's so like I get where the kids are coming from, that they want that call. But who did not teach them that that is going to be seen uh, by hundreds of thousands of people. My friend threw it. her underwear on stage during the Brian Adams concert. But, but then it only <laughs> lands her on... Phone number, but did it, it have her phone number on it? I think it did. But it only lands on one person. It, it doesn't lands, land right, on it hundreds landed of thousands It landed people. in the pit. Oh, my gosh. Um, it's kind of funny. I know. So, so like, that's the problem, right? Now it's, like, amplified a bazillion times. And, yeah, YouTube's not going to care and Instagram's not going to care. That's not their business. That's right. not... And your, it doesn't even matter. Like, it doesn't matter your kid's underage, either. They could be 13, right. well, 14. Well, they have no obligation to protect them. They have no obligation. And those aren't the kind of comments they need to scrub. Which is why parents need to protect their kids. Yep. And you need to have that conversation with your kids. Yep. Um, all right. So now on that note, we're going to our Parenting Bites recommendations. The one bite that you think every parent should know about. Amy, we'll start with you. <laughs> sure. Mine is. Uh, <laughs> mine was inspired by my lunch today um, because I was sitting in my dining room eating a sandwich that had fresh lettuce on it that I had just picked from my kitchen. And it's January and I've got fresh herbs and fresh lettuce and now I'm growing tomatoes and strawberries inside my house in January. So my recommendation is for Arrow Garden. And I, I should say that I've worked with them in the past. My first Arrow Garden and my fourth Arrow Garden were given to me by them. But I feel like I've spent so much money on Arrow Garden at this point that I've, <laughs> I, I now I, I, I can I can freely recommend them without without any hesitation. Um, they're just wonderful systems for growing plants in water. And it's nice enough in the summer, but when it's cold out and you can't grow anything outside, to be able to pick that stuff and eat it fresh, it's amazing. Do you need a lot of sunlight? Well, it 
it has the sunlight. It has, it has lights. <gasps> it has hoods with the I, lights I on need. it. I need. That would be it's so awesome. Amazing. I mean, I have an herb garden outside, and my rosemary winters over, and sometimes I'll send my husband out. Maybe that's why he's sick. I'll send him out <laughs> and say, can you go pick some rosemary? You know, the basil's gone and everything else is gone, but it would be so awesome no, to have that inside. I had fresh basil on my caprese sandwich last night. All right. So, my all right, I'm sold. so Amy's bringing us lunch next week. Yeah, totally. Done. Yeah. Well, so that goes perfectly with mine. So I've been using um, a connected scale called perfect bake it's actually a connected scale and app and and the reason I like this is so when my son was younger we used to cook together which is why he's such a great cook now (laughs) Um, but I mean making scrambled eggs was a huge endeavor and it involved every pot every pan every mixing (laughs) bowl you name it you know in my galley kitchen um, and this is so cool because the the idea is that you're not using measuring cups and measuring spoons. It comes with mixing bowls, and you pour in your ingredients, and the scale knows whether or not you've put the right amount in. So you, if you're doing three tablespoons of flour, you don't need a tablespoon. You pour it in the mixing bowl, and it walks you step by step. And what's really cool is like saying you say you have a recipe for I don't know banana bread, and you don't have enough bananas. You can automatically scale the recipe based on the ingredients that you have. Nice. It's super easy to clean up. Of course, I use my iPad in the kitchen all the time mm-hmm. now to see recipes. It gives you really nice, it's like a nice interactive recipe that I think cooking with kids would be so fun. So I'm going to ask my son if he'll do it with me. They have it at Brookstone, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, they sell it on, at, at their website at Perfect Bake or it's on brookstone.com. And can you just use their recipes in the app or can you put other recipes you into it? You can import your own recipes into it as well, nice. which is what makes it really, really nice. Yeah, I don't think people realize that most professional bakers weigh Oh yeah, I weigh everything. Yeah, weigh everything. Like I, I think, I think that this is amazing because if you're not using a scale with or without an app, right, that's why your baking is messed up. Yep. So I'm, I'm all for encouraging people to use a scale. For sure. Yeah, and I've always thought of a scale as like if you're on a diet and you wanted to measure how many ounces of cheese you're having. But to me, the idea of measuring, putting it all in one mixing bowl, having it there. Yeah. Easy cleanup. So I am. Uh, I'm gonna. You know, I'll make something for next week. Cool. And I'll and I'll bring the the lettuce. The to lettuce. Put it. Okay. Talking tech, apps, entertainment, and issues around parenting the digital generation. This is Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. My recommendation is based on our first segment on the Free Range Kids. I started thinking about how most kids' favorite books are kids who are quite independent, um, whether it's Harry Potter. There are very few adults in those books (laughs) um, and certainly not doing good. So my favorite book um, when I was little, when I was young, was Harriet the Spy, who couldn't be a more independent soul. And all over her neighborhood looked spying on everyone, no parents to be said. And then my daughters, when we started reading books, someone suggested to me the Betsy Tacey books, um, Betsy Tacey and Betsy Tacey Tib. And when I was reading it to them, what occurred to me, these books take place in the late 19 or 1800s, early 1900s. And um, these kids, these girls, they are never with their parents. They, from morning till night, are just playing games, doing picnics, like creating things. They go downtown by themselves, like total freedom. 
which was very common. Mothers, you, you left in the morning, you played all day, you came back when it was dark out. And when my daughters were little, this is for like if you have like a five, six-year-old, I would say, um, there is something about when people talk about the magic of childhood, that is the magic of childhood, right? It's partly about the freedom of doing these crazy imaginative things. And I think now parents really over-manufacture this idea of magic of childhood. And I don't just mean like going to Disney, but it's like... They create it. They try to create it. They try to create it instead of the kid creating it, which isn't the magic of childhood. That's like you deciding. And I think even people like you go to Disney World, which is fantastic, but now you have to like videotape telling your child that you're going to Disney World because that's magical. And you have to like... I mean, it's so crazy. Um, So these books are really about kids using their imagination and having that freedom. And maybe it'll inspire you to allow your own kids to do the same. So Betsy Tacey and the Betsy Tacey Tibbs series, you can get them on Amazon, um, and Harriet the Spy. If your kid hasn't read Harriet mm-hmm. the Spy and they're under 12, they got to read Harriet the Spy. <laughs> Great recommendations. So those are my recommendations. And we'll have links to all that on our Facebook page at Parenting Bites. Yes. Facebook.com slash Parenting Bites. Um, and please check us out on iTunes where you can subscribe and rate and review. That's really important for us to get found in that iTunes store. And we'll have all the information. You can leave comments there. Give us a digital dilemma. We'll answer it. And if you disagree with us, let us know. We can take it. Oh, yeah. We love it. (laughs) Bring us. Thanks, Amy. Thank you. Thanks, Andrea. Thanks, guys. Bye.